Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 12 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host Chris Porter, I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for our regular hockey talk discussion. We'll also have our friend and colleague Luke Chelios on later. He's sharing his thoughts on recent happenings with the Kraken and also Halloween and how that uh, Kraken and Halloween all kind of merged last uh, Sunday during the Rangers game. So he'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, For those of you who are new to our program, we want to let you know that we release episodes approximately every two weeks with occasional special editions. Uh, our episodes are, uh, excuse me, on our episodes, we'll uh, discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's 32nd franchise, the Seattle Kraken. On our program, we'll share news about the team, analyze their play and various team news, present interviews with people involved with the team, as well as the fan community. Plus, we also aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other podcasts and webcasts. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as our own website, KrakenFanCast.com. Please visit KrakenFanCast.com for everything related to the show. All of our episodes are on there, and even our YouTube channel is integrated with our site. We've got a few videos out on there. Check that out. So please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CastKraken, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. All right. And uh, we'll get on to uh, some other housekeeping things a little later, but we've got a lot of hockey to talk about. Now, in our last episode, it was right after the very first home game of the Seattle Kraken. Seattle Kraken took on the Vancouver Canucks. Unfortunately, lost that game, although it was a very good competitive game. Could have gone either way, arguably. Uh, But we were just through the moon. It was just an epic time, an epic experience with the new arena, with the team, the excitement, sold out crowd, you know, sold out arena. It was just, it was just incredible. So we had a lot to talk about on the last episode, but now we're just looking forward and and they have a lot of games to play. That was one game uh, over 80 more to go here, folks. So, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, over 70 more to go here, folks. So, uh, you know, lots to talk about. Uh, We had games uh, where we saw them pitted against the Montreal Canadiens, Minnesota Wild, New York Rangers, and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Those first three I mentioned were home games. um, And uh, I'm just going to give you a little wrap on those right now. So the first game uh, that we talked about, which was actually the second home game, was against the Montreal Canadiens, storied franchise. Um, It was an amazing day that day when they hung up the Seattle Metropolitan's banner, their Stanley Cup victory over the Montreal Canadiens over a hundred years ago. I thought that was a nice touch about, uh, you know, showing Seattle legacy and, and, and uh, giving that some honor, but then we had a game going on and Seattle Kraken uh, handily won that one five to one. Um, although it felt during a, a lot of the game, like closer than how the, uh, the score ended up uh, shots on goal were a little higher on the Kraken side, but uh, Montreal wasn't so far behind on that. I believe it was about 26 to 24 uh, shots on goal, give or take. So, uh, but that was a great thrilling game. That was their first home win and uh, great to see. So that was on the 26th. A couple days later, Minnesota Wild come to town. 
Definitely a tougher opponent, at least the way the teams are going right now. The Canadians are having a real struggle right now. Minnesota started off pretty strong, and so they uh, looked like they were going to be a more formidable test for the Kraken, and they pretty much were, um, but uh, Kraken came through on that game 4-1, to one. Uh, two goals the Kraken got on the third uh, third period there. They, uh, they outshot the Wild 38-31. to 31. And, uh, you know, it was, t- it was tight in some aspects of the game, but uh, overall, Kraken looked like they were, you know, rolling pretty well to their second home win. And it was looking like a third, third win overall. And so it's looking like, hey, we've got a team that's tightening up and things are really looking up. Maybe they'll get three in a row. Well, no. Okay, on Sunday the 31st on Halloween, another storied franchise, the New York Rangers came to town. Um, and uh, their goalie, Shesterkin, really did a hell of a job there. That was a game where the Kraken handily uh, had way more shots on goal on that game. They had, uh, just looking that up, that was like 32 shots to 18 shots for the Rangers. Yet, the Rangers ended up winning 3-1. to one. Uh, Our boys just couldn't get the puck, couldn't get the biscuit in the goal. So uh, that, it's interesting to see, we're seeing so much offense and little struggles on defense, which we'll talk about a little bit. So, okay, we came back a little down to earth, and then they've got an even tougher, arguably an even tougher contest the very next night to fly up to Edmonton, go up and take on the Oilers, who uh, arguably are maybe playing the best hockey of any team or, or one of the best teams in the whole Western Conference at the moment. And went up there and... Um, you know, it uh, there was some ugliness there. Uh, a few little points that were all right, but uh, they lost that game ultimately, five to two. So, uh, so right now, Kraken uh, in the standings as we have them. As I'm clicking on all my little uh, bars here, uh, they're right now they're three six and one, and uh, technically uh, tied for last along with the LA Kings and the Vancouver Canucks for. Pacific Division, but not too far away. If they can get a couple of wins, they'd be back in the mix easily. Um, only Edmonton and Calgary are really uh, uh, dominating at the moment. They both have 14 points. So guys, Jim, I'll start with you. Um, kind of a mixed bag uh, over these last few games. Uh, it, it looks so promising. And, and you know, I'm trying to temp- temper my expectations. I think a lot of people are, but you know, it's interesting how much offense we're seeing in the defense uh, struggling at times. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost reverse of what we thought going in, uh, building this team from goaltender D out. We knew we'd be strong there on paper, and we knew we all agreed uh, collectively everywhere that scoring was going to be probably a little bit tough here and there. As it turns out, it's almost reverse, but going game by game, that Habs game was impressive. I was at home. I didn't miss a minute. And it was really nice. I have one of those bud goal lights, red lights, and that puppy was going off quite regularly. So I, I'm always satisfied with that. I kept looking up going, can I have about a 20 second lead on goals, by the way, on TV. So uh, it was kind of nice because you always look at that brings a lot of fun to hockey watching everybody get get your goal triggered goal alarm. Yeah, there. some people don't like the lead and want to adjust it right on. I, I just as soon be woken up and like, all right, who's going to get this? Oh, here we go. That was a great game to watch. Um, for once, we we dominated the faceoff 
circle at 60%, which was refreshing. That was uh, Eberly's first goal, which was get that monkey off the back there, which is kind of nice. That's a little like sort of backhander on that one. No, that's, that's a, well, it could have been too. Yeah. I was thinking of the Ranger backhand though, but. Oh um, yeah. The Ranger room. Yeah. And then that was Gord's first goal too. And Tanev had uh, four and number five. He was hot again. And then Ryan Donato had that beautiful breakaway move um, backhand. So uh, at the top six played really well that night. Wemberg, McCann, uh, Schwartz, you were all hot. On the back end, Dunn was good. He pulled almost 24 minutes. Gio and Alexiak were solid for the night. So that was a real refreshing win. And then I got to go to the Minnesota game. That was on my pool. That game was kind of stressful because it was another one-goal game forever. We out, we had good shot domination, 38 to 31. Our faceoff was back to normal at 47%. It was a real heavy game. There was a ton of hits, 43-40 Minnesota. Fleury had those two. The second goal was just gorgeous of his. We, we weren't even expecting him to get hardly any goals. They got two that one oh, night. Oh, man, he was he was <laughs> on fire. And that second goal, I'm telling you, was just, it was as good as it gets on highlight reel stuff. You know, Beautiful. there was so much talent and such a short piece of film there. Tanev got his another empty netter. Uh, by the way, that effort on that empty netter was totally underrated. I mean, he was... At the sideboard, he cut back up to the high slot, cut in. He was working between guys and threw in a wrister against the grain in traffic. A totally underrated move. And then Gio got that bank, you know, who's been kind of impressive that doesn't get much talk because he's a fourth liner for the most part. That's uh, Riley Sheehan is really good in the dot. He's pretty impressive. His PK work is solid, especially on PK2. I can't find any faults in that guy since we picked him up. Gord and Schwartz had a great all-around game. Solid, both offensive and defensively. Alexiak and Larson stood out. You and me even commented on Larson that night, how, how solid he was on his board work and shutting down at the blue line. It was really impressive in person. He's one of, he's one of the hits leader. Uh, I think he and Alexiak, and uh, I have to look it up in a second, but yeah. he's among the top three of the hit, for hits. Uh, I was just country. impressed with him all night with, the, with this body work, pushing guys to the outsides, shutting them down at the blue line, so on and so forth. Um, let me see. Then we had the Ranger game that I happened to attend. I did not have a ticket. I picked one up late. I was happy to get to that. I've got something in my mind that just wants me to go to see every original 16, except for me. I don't blame you. Except for maybe Detroit. I've never really gotten into Detroit. Um, uh, so I went and I scored, I scored probably four hours before the game. I was happy about that. Rolled up there. I ran into you guys. That game was incredibly frustrating to watch. <laughs> I had good seats down low. I mean, we dominated 32 to 18 in shots at uh, Shastik and in goal for New York was just standing on his head. And I can remember watching him warm-ups, looking at him, and he's not a very big guy, uh, which is so strange anymore to see smaller tenders these days. Uh, and he, I was watching his pregame ritual, and he was just off to the side of the crease, sideways, head down, arms resting on his knees, just totally focused, not moving for the whole warmups almost. And I was like, okay, that's a different method. But obviously it worked because that guy was just unconscious for the night. Yeah, I mean, that, that his performance reminded me of Demko's like, oh, Vancouver it, game. You know, just that so they kept shooting and shooting and shooting yeah. and nothing would go yeah. on. And McCormick was called up from Charlotte to basically backfill uh, McCann's situation. Not his line, but bump everybody down, put him on the fourth line. He did what he's supposed to do. I mean, he... He had three shots, one block, only seven minutes and 20 seconds of time, but he did his job as a fourth liner. Face-offs are a little better than normal. Uh, I, I couldn't believe we couldn't capitalize on those double bench miners back-to-back -back almost on the uh, 
too many men on the ice call. That's just cardinal sin. We should have put that away. Ebbs is where he had that beautiful backhand. That was actually right in front of him. That's right. And that was something. I'm thinking, okay, now he's on a roll. He's got a couple goals in the last three games, and hopefully that loosens him up. And then uh, Schwartz, he had a solid game, a lot of five shots. Larson had another great game, four hits, two blocks. Uh, Lausanne, uh, he had a bonehead move in that game. Um, a couple – oh, pardon me, he had a decent game. I was thinking of the next game against Edmonton, but – that whole game goes on to seeking for, for stealing the show there, you know, cause we just dominated that game. And it was, those are the most, that reminds me of 1990s Bruins hockey right there. Totally out shooting a club and losing, you know, what, what changes it just keep, you know, finally you're going to get, you get a break or whatever, or yeah. I mean, cause I guess it gets down to quality of shots. Yeah. But, and, and I'm aware of that with the whole circle and quality of shots I, without looking at an actual page on that, I was seeing some quality shots and we had a lot of traffic, which would satisfy Nathan uh, or anybody for that. We've been doing better at that. Actually. Um, our biggest problem is, is we don't have enough big power type forwards. We've got a lot of bodies, but you can only expect so much out of Donato Gordon in front of the net at a smaller size. They're just going to get pushed around. Well, well here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, we're, we're mentioning certain guys and you, you start hearing that, you know, the same guys that, you know, will underline of having good games. And so for instance, Brandon Tanev gets mentioned and obviously he's become more and more of a favorite, you know, in, you know, with fans, obviously his, his ghosty photo helps on that, but he's also playing damn good, but man, I, you know, I, I thought he was a good pickup, but I mean, is he, is he playing a little over his head right now? Or is it just that he, the other guys aren't playing up to their snuff? Like what, what do you, what do you attribute him doing so dominantly? He looks like an all-star out there. Well, if you look at his numbers, he's playing above his head. But that's what it's. But like. if you watch him, he's playing his style. I don't know if he's just rejuvenated since he's. It's a fresh start. He's happy to be here. He's. He's the coaching style is working for him or what? But I think he's got a little extra in his step. A lot of the more jump in his step than he. It's his style to throw his body. If you ever watch him, his effort is constant. His legs are pumping, um, and he's always looking to throw the body. So. I think he's just in the right place at the right time. And he's got a hot stick. He's a hot pistol right now. Yeah. Nathan, let's get you in there too. I mean, you know, what, what players you and I, the other day, we're talking a little bit about Schwartz and how much he impressed you. I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about Schwartz, Jane Schwartz and, and any of the others, uh, people that uh, have, uh, that you particularly noticed. Yeah. Uh, before I get into Schwartz, I agree, you know, uh, we need a little bit bigger bodied forwards up there. I mean, we have Bastion, but, you know, when he's not getting smeared around, you know, I think if he polishes up a couple of things, I mean, that's that's one more person that we can add to it. And as far as Tanev, I mean, Tanev, I, I think he had more goals in the first few games than he did all season last year. And that is not unnoticed in my mind. Um, a lot of people are really on the Tanev wagon and jump on. There's plenty of room. But uh, Jaden Schwartz probably one of the fastest players I've seen in a while. And I don't remember seeing him as fast when he was with St. Louis, you know, he's, he's 29, he's still young, but he's, he's, he's got some wheels, man. I've been watching him go up and down, up and down. And his blue line to blue line is quick. He's passing by people. Then he gets his first goal. I was proud of him. I was proud of him. It was uh, something that I watched and, you know, to mention too, you know, with goaltending and everything like that, when you were saying about how we had a lot of shots, but not 
very many goals to outshoot somebody almost double their their shots and still lose by two or three goals is disheartening and i'm not sure exactly what we need to do where where the fault lies i guess it's just a team effort when you lose like that there's not a whole lot of arid shots that i would say but i see a lot of panic once they get the puck there's so much panic that's got to calm down look around you see who you know get open first of all try to get open don't worry about playing the puck get open and uh things will happen but yeah man tanev on a tear uh jaden schwartz hats off to you dude i'm glad you got that goal i'm looking forward to many more one the one thing we got to underline about schwartz though i'm just looking at the stats too um yeah he only has one goal but he's got four assists only only don scoy we still hasn't have a goal, but I mean, we can't uh, discount the importance of assists here. Uh, Schwartz, Giordano, and McCann, and Donskoy, and Gord, all with uh, four or five assists. So oh, that's yeah. that's something notable too. So he's setting up. If, a lot if of I played my entire, let's say I was an NHL player and I played, you know, 10, 12 years, and I far outweighed in assists than goals, I had a fantastic career because it was for the better of the team, it was to win when you're not selfish with the puck and you're, you're able to, even if it's a deflection, you know, you're trying to shoot it, but assists show to me personally more than goals. I'm not discrediting goals. Obviously that's what wins a game, but when a player goes out there and they've got assists upon assists, that tells me that they're an unselfish player and they are just doing what they can to get a play to happen. Jim, how much, or either of you guys, but uh, Jim, you might know this question. I just was looking at one of the other stats is, you know, what I look at in defensemen is, you know, hits and also look at blocks. How much are, are blocks expected from a coach? I mean, I know he expects, you know, the defense to do some blocking and everything, but uh, that's just something that I've only recently really started to study. And it's interesting to me, Giordano has 25 blocks and everybody else is way below that, like 12 or less. Uh, and I thought that was interesting how how different that is. I mean, obviously I see Giordano just kind of watching them when, when I'm at the game or on TV and I'm like, wow, this guy's making stuff happen. He can tell he's one of the leaders on there, obviously. But uh, is that something that's really missing here from the defense? Um, yes and no. I mean, there are players in rounds that are drafted on blocking alone, you know, middle round picks uh, defensemen and some forwards a lot of third fourth line guys or special team pk guys or what have you um they're it's either in their game and they're good at it or some need to work on it and develop it and get and trained over the years to be better and then some just aren't you know and those are usually the same guys that don't throw the body much there's just guys like that. So, you know, that's part of the draft. They're looking for players like that. You know, there used to be a time back in the 80s and well, 80s, 90s, where <laughs> the joke was you could tell who's a shot blocker by looking at their their shin guards. And old Craig Ludwig of the the Minnesota or the Dallas Stars, I used to call him flounders because they looked like flounders strapped to his knee or his shins. <laughs> they stuck out so wide. It's funny. Anyway, yeah, it's huge importance. Uh, which I can't remember which game I was taking stats on. Uh there was just a ton of, oh, it was, um, the Habs had 18 block shots. Let's, you know, we had six that game. So it could have been just way worse than the score without, you know, it's 18 shots. It's a huge stat. It's it, that and hits is a huge stat. Yeah. It just seems to me that, you know, Giordano's doing, doing the bulk of it there. So, uh, 
maybe that needs to be stepped up a little bit. I mean, obviously there's a little bit of luck and you make your more, more, the more, you know, shots you take, the more luck you can make for yourself. So, uh, Hopefully they keep it up. I think they were maybe a little out of gas and, and a little uh, overmatched against Edmonton, but uh, it's good they got a few days off. The number of games, uh, you know, from now until our, our next uh, episode, you know, Buffalo, Arizona, which is a road game, Vegas, which is a road game, then they're back home against Anaheim and Minnesota again already. You know, Buffalo started well at the beginning, but they came back down to earth, and Arizona has been horrible. I don't, there's a, there's our broadcast right now, they still have yet to win a game. Uh, Vegas sputtered a little bit at the beginning of the season, but now they've kind of started to right the ship and got a little better. Anaheim's not great, not terrible, just so-so. And Minnesota's, uh, you know, still been playing pretty solid. So what are, what are they going to do? What do we have to look forward to in some of these games? Well, I took some 10-game stats to this point, and these numbers aren't the greatest. And a lot of these numbers have been generated in the last four games, I'd say. Goals for 14th, that's okay. That's mid-pack, a little a bit mid-pack. Goals is against sixth highest in the league, so... Uh, Got to shore that up. That's a team defense structure, and it's been lacking some. You know, Groovy's Groovy. He's not playing his best. It'll get better. It's a, it's a full team thing here. Power play is dismal, nine point four percent, thirtieth in the league. That is that totally has to improve, um, and they know it. The thing is, is they have great puck movement. They just can't finish. It's just strange. PK rather respectable, seventh in the league at eighty seven percent, and that's been hanging in the top ten since day one that's all Haxtell uh, shots on goal 28th in the league at 28.6 shots against 31st in the league at 26.7 so that's obvious face-offs at 25 uh 47.5 we got to work on that power play and goals against just those items and and you know shore it up we need some guys that yeah. can pull the trigger and sink it yeah. and keep up you know keep away from the defensive lapses right you know, we saw so many goals where, you know, Grubauer's stats aren't great, but I look at all so many of those goals that are not his fault. Even Joey Decor the other night when he, you know, filled in, you know, arguably maybe one of those goals he could have stopped, but uh, a few of those, I was like, how was he going to stop those? It was just, you know. I wrote down four players I'd like to see step up their game. And that's, and granted, they're, they're specialists too, but I'd like to see Yarncroke get busy. I'd like to see Danskoy get busy. I'd like to see Bastion get tough and I'd like to see Geeky warm up because he is dry and cold. Yeah. We were so like impressed with this kid and now it's just been yeah. kind of yeah. very quiet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jim said it though. It, he's got to shape up or ship out, you know, get, get going. You know, at some point we're going to be like, well, it's not early in the season anymore. At some point we're going to say, well, it's going to happen. So now's the time. We do need to stop some of these stupid frivolous penalties like when a player from the opposite team tries to pick up his stick and you take your stick and you shove it away and try to be sneaky with it there's people watching you when you do that and that was stupid i don't have any other way to put it other than that you're frustrated you're down you're at home you're trying to win i get that but stop it discipline Need the discipline for sure. Yeah. So that's uh, we'll we'll see what happens uh, pretty soon. Um, they've got a, they've got a couple of chances uh, this week, Buffalo and Arizona to kind of uh, bounce back here. So uh, we'll hope for the best. Uh, one other thing that we were just talking about shipping out. How early do you usually do we usually see trades? Like what's the early? Maybe the end of November, early December. Well, there's that magic week 
Thanksgiving week um, when teams tend to evaluate themselves uh, where they're at, you know, especially the struggling teams and the league knows too. So you might see some moves right around then. And, you know, I would say if this team was actually more established with some years behind them, if you're really struggling, there could be some coaching situations, but this is too fresh of a team to toy around with that. But uh, there's going to be some meetings. If you're, if you're struggling by that time, people are going to start when you have people at work that, that aren't really hockey fans, but they're paying attention and they come up to you and say, what's with all this losing that's that starts going around the community and it gets around. So, you know, beyond hockey fans, it's, it's a team and people like results. So I've always said, if you can play 500 hockey as an expansion team, I'm okay with that. I'd like to see us reach 500 and just maintain that balance, especially in this specific division. But now look at, what is it? The Anaheim's ahead of us. And so is San Jose. So there's two teams that were supposed to be sitting in the basement the whole time, right? Still early. It is. It we'll totally see. is. They got to they they got to write. They got to. They got to write the ship. Hey, before we wrap up this portion, um, we've had a f- few more chances to look at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, any other impressions and things? I mean, I every time I go there, I I feel like I see something new. And granted, they've thrown some new things in. You know, like they started doing projections. At least earliest I noticed it was in the Minnesota game. If they did it earlier, I, I didn't. I didn't see. But you know, Minnesota on a little more projections. The, the whole uh, uh, fairy horn thing has been way louder, actually, using the fairy horn. I, I just assumed that was canned, but no, that no, folks, that's a real horn. They've got they've got uh, analog horn that they've got blown away. And that's that's a great touch. Um, you know, they've been doing a few other little things. There's a little controversy about the end there. Uh, for those of you who haven't been to it yet, there's uh, some windows on one side and some people have been you can look down and see some of the game that way but one game they put up some uh you know some some blockers uh you know blocking that hole out but then in the next game in the range that was in minnesota a game and then in the rangers game it was open again so i don't know what's up with that but it's interesting just to see it, it morphing and and we hear uh, through you know reliable sources that they're going to be doing more things and different things and everything and it's still going to be uh, you know still a work in progress as far as pregame during game and all the other little you know even even as far as what they're selling and everything so it's it's interesting but that that's my impression Jim how, how about you as far as you know are you seeing some new things or anything that struck you that didn't that we didn't get to talk about in the earlier episode I did um, like if you go back the first game I went to I. I said I was just there was too much going on in my head to process a lot of stuff through the night. So it was just a confusing mess, but it was great. Second time I went back, much more relaxed in my mind. And for some reason, the concourse didn't feel as crowded as it did that first night. I think maybe people were finally settling in their seats and not discovering everything at the same time. It felt better. Yes, the food lines move fast with the touchless stuff and all that. I feel like I have it down. I went and uh, explored some more. I even went to the upper decks to get a view down and I'm telling you, man, there's there's not a bad seat in that house when you're up high, you know, maybe if you're behind the media deck way up high, it's, it's not bad, but you get the cut off of the uh, bowl of the, the seats. So whatever, you're still watching the game, that tightwad terrace that you're talking about, that's tightwad terrace. Yeah, that's what we've been that's the name yeah. it's developed. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of a cool feature, actually. I think it's I think it's neat looking. But you're talking about the thing. I remember the first night was open. Then I saw a video of a game where the curtain was down. And then the third game, 
the panels were up. And I thought, oh, this is strange. I got to thinking maybe they just finally finished the panels. Yeah, it's, maybe it's supposed to be blocked. Or, yeah. or maybe, you know, concert dictates something, whether outside, whether it's uh, clear night, full moon versus rainy reflection. I don't know. But whatever. I think they're still experimenting with a lot of looks and feels and maybe acoustics even. So I, I like the building a lot. Uh, I'm trying to find the things to pick on it about and the only thing i can still pick on about is the the size of the bathrooms that's it the rest of it's great man it's a spectacle so nathan you haven't had a chance to be at the at the, at the arena yet you will be soon but not yet but you will be soon but so but you've been having a chance to uh view the broadcasts more than we did you know as far as yeah television and maybe radio too what what any improvements any changes anything you've noticed on that uh, since the since the early games well the horn the horn for sure. Uh, could not hear it first game. Don't remember it the second game either. It's loud. The first game, I thought, well, maybe the crowd's just so freaking loud. I mean, you got a bunch of 12s back there too, you know? So it's, we're, everybody, it's not a secret. Everybody knows in the world that we're one of the loudest cities when it comes to sports. So I thought maybe, well, maybe it just, the crowd trumped it. Didn't hear it. Just didn't hear it. And then these last couple of games, you could hear it and it adds a lot more flavor and goosebumps to when you do get a goal i'm gonna need to find out from jim where exactly he got his little light horn thing because i'm gonna need one for my house but uh yeah i'm i'm going to the game uh on the 19th uh, i believe that's colorado i think i'll be seeing you guys there yeah and then uh i'm going again early december uh i forget the date but i am going jim you know the date on that god what is it maybe the 17th i don't know somewhere it's but I'm going there sometime in december so i'll be once yeah, i'll be able to uh i'll be able to kind of chime in more on what i think and you know kind of give my review on the arena mm-hmm. but you know from tv it's you know you can see the waves on the ice the cinematics and stuff and Everybody that listens knows that I was really looking forward to being able to see that. And it looks like they're slowly starting to deliver. I don't think they're done fine tuning, finishing up exactly what they want to do with it. They do have a lot going for them though. When it's a good broadcast, it's a great broadcast. I might stop halfway through one of the games and listen to it on the radio. Cause I don't get enough chance to listen to Fitzhugh get amped up, but uh, yeah, it's, it's so far so good. Yeah, yeah, knowledgeable crew there. I've been, you know, I've, I had some of them recorded, so I'd watch them afterward. I'd go to the game and then I'd go watch it a little bit on TV. And uh, yeah, it does feel like the whole crew. I mean, they've got a, I think they hired a pretty solid crew overall anyway. Uh, but it, it's, it seems to be, you know, getting tighter and better. And uh, about Fitzhugh, he, I haven't gotten to hear him much except in the men's room. And Jim, you brought up a great point the other. This one complaint I'm like is, Another bathroom complaint, but it's more, they need to turn up the radio or whatever, the audio in, in the men's room. I'm like, it's it's a little light and everything. Because you can hear that Fitzhugh is being very, you know, gregarious and, and you know, demonstrative and everything. And you can't wait till. So anyway, that's a nitpicky thing. But I'll just mention that if anybody, anybody takes care of the audio in the bathrooms, folks, just put it up a couple of notches, please. I agree. Yeah, I just, I just looked up the date. Uh, I'm going the 19th of this month and the 19th of December against Toronto. All right. Oh, that's a that'll be an interesting game. I'm excited about both of those. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Those are those will be fine games. Uh, fine, interesting teams to uh, the cracking to take on. That's great. All right, guys. Thanks so much for all the great insight as always. Um, all right, it's now time for our next portion here called Emails from the Deep. 
We love getting to interact with our listeners and we particularly love and appreciate getting emails and social media messages from you all. So each episode here, we'll aim to read one or two notes and uh, here are a couple for this this episode. Uh, hey, Kraken Fancast, just want to thank you for all the great insight on your experiences with the Kraken games. It really helps with the anticipation I have for going to the game next month. My question for you guys is if you had a choice of a third jersey set or alternate set for a special occasion game, uh, what would you do? If it were me, I'd probably go with a throwback Metropolitan's look or a blackout. Sincerely, Tanya from Snohomish. So I, when I first read this, I thought she was saying like what she wants the, the, the alternate jersey to look like, but I guess it's our alternate. Like what would we wear? Well, I... I like her choice on that if they get the colors right, which I would think they would. I don't know if they would try to do the Metro colors, if they would just try to. I've seen some renditions out there using the all the blues with the Kraken in the stripage, which is OK. I hear going back even two years before they release. Well, not two years, but when they first released the jersey, people, these all these guys were doing art graphics, guys and gals on the, the whole anchor thing, you know, just strictly the anchor up front, which is fine. The needle and the anchor um but a lot of them were talking about using the ice blue the the very light blue as the primary color as much as i like that color i don't want that as my primary color it's it's almost too i don't know i i feel like i'd be it'd be like cotton candy out there playing hockey but i i, I like the idea of the of the anchor and the needle up front yeah yeah. yeah, I agree. I'm actually wearing the shirt. I see that. Yeah, you are. Yes, yes. Yeah, you have a number of anchors uh, swag there. That's great. Okay, well, there you go. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, speaking of alternate, I'm just thinking of alternate jerseys for the team, you know, next, they won't be doing that, my understanding is this year, but next year, they'll come up with some sort of alternate thing. And uh, I just hope it's not Goofy the Squid or whatever. No, it's, it can't just... be, man. They, they hurt <laughs> us. That can't be. Do you, do you guys think maybe it'll be red with a little bit of blue? Um, it could be. There, I know there's there's some cool stuff out there. Just you know, all kinds of artists doing their thing. So it's kind of fun. I mean, some play. some teams' alternate jersey is dramatically different, and some are, are a lot more subtly different, or they may be some sort of throwback. So yeah, so could could you know the Krakens look you know a little totems ish or or metros like or at least kind of encompass one of those things within the Jersey. I could see them considering that. Right. And then, you know, as far as for, you know, for me, that's, that's what I would do. I would, I would consider that, but I mean, yeah, maybe change this color. You got to have the main bl blue colors, but maybe change the scheme a little bit. Uh, let's go over to the second one. We've got a second one here. This is from Ryan from uh, Golden, Colorado. Thanks for writing us, Ryan. Hey guys, after seeing the amount of games that we have, how do you feel about the quality of the depth compared to the rest of the league. How's our depth on the guys on the bench and even down in Charlotte? That's a tough question right now. I, you know, I've been looking at that roster ever since camp and you get familiar with it and you actually start to like it no matter what in your mind, which is fine because when you get to the bottom six and any club, there's it's bottom six is bottom six. There's, everybody's got a role. I still like it as far as where it lines up with the rest of the league. You know, it's it's mid-pack down, bottom 16 teams for sure. We all got to keep backing up and remember this team has not played together as a unit for any number of years or, or combinations. So they're learning. They're, they're still learning Haxel's system. 
just the fine, finite details of it. I still like what I see in quality guys. I think they could do some swap outs between Charlotte and what's going on right now. Um, but I think it's a typical bottom six anywhere. Yeah, well, it, a little early to say is that, that would be a great question. Maybe pose in, in a couple more months, and we'll we'll really know what the what the what the guys are how they stack up against the rest of the league. All right, well, that's uh, it for uh, emails from the deep. Thanks much for that, and uh, please uh, for all you listeners, feel free to reach out to us with any questions or comments. We always appreciate that. Also, we want to thank and give a big shout out to all the folks who have submitted reviews for our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we very much appreciate the feedback and positive reviews, and we want to give a big cheers out to Papa in Texas, Colorado Kid, Sully6790, Section 16 Gem, and No Phone Home. That's uh, that's their uh, Apple uh, handles here, folks. Uh, <laughs> you know who you are, and we thank you very much for uh, all the positive feedback, so cheers to that. Uh, before we get to our segment with Luke Chelios, I want to take a minute to tell you about our new Patreon page. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for creators to get funding. Putting this podcast on takes a lot of time and finances for equipment, so things like sponsorship and Patreon funding helps us do what we're doing. For patrons, it's a way to join their favorite creators community, help with funding, and even get some perks along the way. You can go to patreon.com slash fancast or krakenfancast.com slash Patreon and make your way there. We have some great perks uh, that you often get involved with, starting at five bucks a month. Uh, and we have other tiers, $10, $20, a lot of different tiers on there. Uh, we'll have different things like raw audio of interviews that uh, Luke Chelios has done and uh, other little perks and, and content uh, that you might not see on our regular website so please check out that and uh, we appreciate everyone's consideration for it all right and now we have to also do a little more housekeeping sponsor we'd like to give a big big humongous thank to our sponsors particularly our presenting sponsor silver city brewery located in bremerton with their beer sold throughout the state of washington and beyond beer for one beer for all silver city is an all-inclusive northwest craft beer adventure in every pint we look forward to having another Kraken watch party at the brewery uh, later in the season. So keep uh, keep tuned on that. We'll have another little party. We had a real fun time with them a few weeks ago, and uh, we look forward to being back. Also, big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey team bar, located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And last but certainly not least, we'd like to welcome and thank our newest sponsor, Mojito, fantastic restaurant serving the best Latin American and Cuban food in the Seattle area. Mojito has been serving Seattle's Maple Leaf neighborhood and beyond with authentic Latin cuisine, bringing together amazing food and amazing people. Mojito works to enrich our community. Check them out at mojitoseattle.com. All right, it's that time. Chelios Chatter. Luke, take it away. Welcome to Kraken Fancast. It's Chelios Chats. Today we have the new radio voice with Everett Fitzhugh and the KJR 950 crew, Mike Benton, who just left the Silver Tips from the Western Hockey League. Tell us about your last few weeks. Lou, thank you very much. I think crazy uh, could be one word. Uh, it's a dream come true. And, you know, as you know, in this line of work, sometimes uh, things happen very fast. So uh, when this opportunity opened up, there, there wasn't much time left here in the summer. But, you know, as far as 
the the journey I've taken, the path I've taken. Uh, 16 years of trying to climb the hill to the Western Hockey League and uh, the ECHL. Um, you know, when something like this opens up, uh, it's best to be prepared and take full advantage of it. So it makes me reflect, I think, on the blessings that I have had from uh, you know those lessons that you learn along the way when it comes to on air and off the air, uh, the friendships that you can make that can certainly help open these doors, and as well the people who can um, work alongside you to support reaching this goal. So it's a blessing to step into that and to work with great people like Everett Fitzhugh, and you know see more from. Uh, uh, a broadcast standpoint uh, on television and John Forslund, JT Brown, uh, Ross Fletcher, Allison Lucan, and more. Nice. Yeah, all friends of our fan cast. We've had John Forslund, JT Brown. We're going to talk to Everett Fitzhugh soon. He's uh, He's been in contact with our fan cast crew. And today we have Mike Benton, the new radio game host, interview uh, intermission guy from the Everett Silvertips who just joined the Kraken NHL radio team with KJR 950. Excited to hear you on the radio. A lot of fans aren't being able to get the games on, on TV for uh, hockey fans that can't get you on the cable TV or don't have the extra money to pay for those cable options. So, Mike, you're excited about the start of the Kraken. Tell us a little bit about training camp this week. Well, to witness what is unfolding before our very eyes in the hockey world is an extreme privilege. And it's all happening very, very fast. And it's just... Yeah, it, it, it seems just like yesterday that, you know, we began this thing from training camp, but it almost basically was yesterday. Uh, when you consider that there's about maybe roughly 10 days from the time of this recording to reach team goals and objectives quickly and find a way to understand what Dave Haxtell is putting into place as well very quickly. I, I, I think there's already great pieces put into place. Um, that can play the way that he wants this team to play. Ron Francis has a, a big, big uh, amount of credit due to him for getting those pieces put into place and the right ones. And what really excites me about this team is getting a chance to see players who maybe didn't have uh, that big kick of the can as they would here uh, versus, say, previous stops. But now when they're put in greater position to succeed, uh, you're going to see potential breakout seasons unfold right before our very eyes. I mean, just think of what, you know, going to the Vegas Golden Knights did for, you know, William Carlson right. and Jonathan Marches. So, um, you know, there are, there are a few players who could be in that line for a similar breakout season just because, you know, the coaching staff and powers that be know that they have the skill to get it done. But now they have the door open to succeed in those roles. And that's what makes the beginning of this season, besides the obvious part of history being made so very exciting. So Jared McCann, he may be the next William Carlson here in Seattle. And when Yanni Gord comes back from injury, I think we're excited to see those two fight for the top power play and uh, maybe center ice role. Although Yanni Gord can play the wing. He's played a lot of great hockey in Tampa Bay on the wings as well. So couple breakout players. Uh, anybody you see out there in the early days of camp and in the exhibition games that you like? I love Jared McCann. Uh, I think Alexander Wenberg has a great chance to really step into a bigger role and succeed. Um, I, I would love to see what Yanni Gord can do with more minutes and greater responsibility. I mean, he's looked great for even wearing 
a red non-contact jersey and just today as of this recording has shed that red jersey oh and nice is back in as back in full uniform yeah so, so breaking news yanni gord is out of the red injury jersey He's back in full ice, and uh, maybe he'll be in the lineup here in a couple weeks, or who knows, opening night on, in Vegas. How about the defense? Who stands out on the defense? A lot of big young guys fighting for jobs. I, I love Jamie Oleksiak and what he can do with his big body and his big reach, and it's not just the size because we know that the game is different now than, say, 20 to 25 years ago where you could have you know, players – standing still on the ice for about roughly five seconds and, you know, just use blunt force to try to make an impact defensively. I mean, the game has changed now, and you have to scoot to be able to be effective. So what Alexiak does, besides using his big frame as an imposing presence, he's very good with his stick to take away time and space on the ice and use his athleticism uh, to be a good shutdown role defenseman. Well, uh, I noticed, Larson, yeah. Uh, there you go, Adam, Adam Larson. Yeah, go ahead. Adam Larson, yeah. I mean, I could already tell that Edmonton misses him based on uh, that factor by subtraction. You know, he will be fantastic with helping take care of his own zone. And how about our goaltending? That might be our best area with the veterans and the young Joey Decor. Tell us about goaltending. That's where it's going to live as far as success with the Kraken this season. I mean, we all know what Philip Grubauer can do uh, as a very experienced and accomplished goaltender, but you know, of course, he came into the picture after Chris Drieger was already locked up, and people are hoping that Drieger can shake off maybe a preseason that didn't exactly go to script for him. A few goals that he gave up that, you know, he may want to have back, but the good news is that it's preseason, and you're still trying out new and different things. And for some players, it can just be a matter of just trying to, you know, get into a rhythm longer than some others. Uh, Chris Rieger had some great numbers last year with the Florida Panthers. Joey Decord is a great fallback option in case something may happen. And you know injuries are certainly a part of this game. Right. So either yes. Philip Grubauer or Drieger as well. What I like based on what they brought with Grubauer and Drieger this past summer is they have two goaltenders who have accomplished numbers playing in a top position with their previous teams. And what's going to help the Kraken here is they play a lot of back-to-back -back You got it. I was going to mention will, that. There's also a matchup thing. Sometimes goalies play better against different teams. Right, so yeah. This is where the Kraken have options in net when they come up against that big schedule crunch and playing in a lot of back-to-back -back games. It's obviously something that they have thought through to put both Philip Grubauer and Chris Drieger in position. And the hope right now is that by playing in that big crunch, they can balance the workload out and keep both these goaltenders fresh for the for the postseason if they should be in contention. I had a fan ask if um, Philip Grubauer was going to play in the Olympics and uh, you know maybe have a three, four extra weeks of hockey middle of the season. Do you know about that? That's still very much a work in progress right now as far as if he will play. There hasn't been too much conversation uh, around practices, around morning skates based on that. We're still way, uh, way far out here from the Olympics to really give an indication right. if he should fill uh, a role like that. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously with this pedigree that uh, there might be a uh, something in the works for him to play. They're still very much going to be healthy enough, or even if he uh, 
gets selected here. So to go uh, play for, for Germany, to, right? For him to play in the Olympics, it would be, I think, an incredible opportunity. And uh, you know, the hope is that uh, should he get in a good amount of games, that's going to be beneficial, I think, to drive him further once he returns. Uh, if the Kraken should be in postseason contention, got to have a lot of backups. We've got to have those guys like Will Borgen and uh, Kale Fleury, possibly Jeremy Lazan to jump in. Some of these uh, defensemen get injured quite often in the NHL's in the 80 games, 82 games schedule. Even the forwards, you know, moving around. So it's good we've got three to six guys fighting for that fourth line role right now, and maybe for the D six through eight spot with. 10 or 11 really good quality NHL guys here in camp. So, Mike, it's a real pleasure today. Wish you all the best in your NHL career. You've earned it. How many years were you with the Everett Silvertips? Uh, six years, matter of fact. Thank you for asking, Lutz. So um, during those six years, saw a lot of great, uh, a lot of great games as far as uh, a team that was in contention for division titles, made a run for the WHL championship. But uh, you know, when you work at that level, you know, as the cliche goes, you tend to wear different hats. So um, not just play by play for me, but uh, it really prepared me here for this job and, um, you know, managing the responsibilities of uh, what I do, not just from uh, an on air uh, perspective for about two and a half hours, but also helping uh, generate things that people can look at on KJR's website, listen to. That's going to be also in the works for us uh, very, very soon. And, uh, and more so that's where i think that experience was uh, very beneficial and they were so great to me and my family uh, for those six years once again thanks mike for joining us today on Kraken fancast and a little bit of outtake on your life in hockey once again keep your sticks in the air celebrate those cracking goals eh all right another great chelios chatter thank you mr chelios for that and uh thank you all for listening uh uh, please remember to uh, check us out on social media. We have a Facebook page, Twitter. Our handle is at Cast Kraken. We're also Instagram and YouTube. You can follow us and subscribe on those pages. We really appreciate all that we do. Uh, remember where you can be listened to on KrakenFanCast.com, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and on our YouTube page. There are a few videos we've got on there, so please check those out. Uh, thanks much uh, to Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for joining me as always. And much thanks to our producer, Jay Middleton. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And as always, we must say, go, go Kraken! Kraken.